This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. I'm Cody Darwick, joined in person with my brother Tyler Darwick. Tyler. Day two post Andrew Luck here. Absolutely wild. Um, just, you know, the story continues to go on. And did you see Bill Belichick's quote today? He said, he's a good player. I didn't see that, but I don't really follow them. So when you first initially read it, it sounds like Belichick literally just heard it today that Luck retired, but they had to clarify that he meant that he didn't see Luck's retirement coming, which I think everyone did, but it really speaks to what people think about Belichick because it was believable that. He didn't know until today, until someone told him. Yeah, that he just had his head deep in a playbook, not caring, post-week three, just dissecting everything. Um, if if you're a Patriots fan, you have to feel like, like hmm, maybe the Colts fans are getting a little karma for Deflategate here. Maybe. I mean, we talked about it on the Sunday Scaries pod. The Colts were set up to be one of the teams, you know, moving forward the next five to seven years. The Colts still have a very good infrastructure, but getting that next quarterback, like I, we, I don't think it's going to be Brissett. He's good, but not good enough. So, one you know potential contender has kind of fallen. They still have the Chiefs to deal with, but it's a good break for the Patriots again, yet again. They just don't seem to die. Um, but we spoke a ton about the Colts and Andrew Luck on our Sunday Scaries pod. If you haven't listened, go give that one a listen, and we get into a little NFL futures. But we were lucky enough to be joined by Todd Wishnev, one of the stars of. Showtime's action uh, four-part docu-series on sports gambling in the U.S. and Todd was kind of portrayed as the everyday Joe at the sports book, but he's actually much more than that. He is essentially a, a professional gambler, is big on the numbers, so it was great talking to Todd. And uh, he has an, an all-time kind of bad beat into an epic story related to Yom Kippur gamble gone wrong. Yeah, so that was a great story by him. What turned into a simple bad B, which happens to everybody, really turned into much more with just really you questioning reality and everything, and Todd gets into it. So it's really great to have him on and just hear his experience being on the documentary, maybe some things you don't pick up on from just watching. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of fun having him on and getting into all of that. Yeah, so we will now kick it to the interview with our first TV star on the Full Slate Airwaves, Todd Wishnev. So give it a listen. 
Okay, and we are excited to welcome on the Full Slate Airwaves, Todd Wishenev, star of Showtime's docuseries Action. Todd, thanks for joining us. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. Glad to uh, talk to you guys. Well, we're, we're excited to have you on, and I know Tyler and I both watched the doc, and I think we were, we we're definitely interested in your character as someone who kind of resided at the sports book. So I guess to start off here, how'd you get into sports gambling? What was kind of your background and how did they actually find you for the documentary? Um, let's see. I got into sports gambling. I was always interested in um, math and sports. Um, and I was always in, interested in trading and stuff like that. So it was kind of a natural thing for me uh, being into sports a lot and into math a lot. Um, I remember uh, placing my first bets when I worked on the uh, commodity floor in New York City uh, back in around 1990, 1990 or 1991. And, uh, and uh, remember, I think I went three and one on a Sunday and uh, on an NFL Sunday. And it was, uh, that was the start of my uh, career, I guess, <laughs> or uh, to me. The, uh, they found me on uh, Showtime because I, I, there's a casino uh, called South Point that they were doing a lot of the filming at, and uh, it's right near my house. So I'm there all the time watching the games and, you know, screaming at the TVs and I have a whole bunch of people there that I know. And uh, so, you know, we're, we're whooping it up and everything. And so they found me, they were interviewing me and uh, they said, Hey, you know, we really like you. Can you be, you know, one of the stars of the show? That's awesome. I feel like you were a natural on the camera. I- I thought you had one of the best lines uh, from the four-part series. You said, the darkness is worse than the light from the winning because the darkness is so dark, referring to losing um, in sports gambling. Could you give us perspective on what it's like to be, you know, you said you're an amateur in the docuseries, but just being at the sports book all the time, because I feel like people have this perception that that's a glorious lifestyle, but there is a lot of darkness associated with it. Oh, actually, I had a lot more darkness with bookies than I did with uh, sports books. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, you know, losing is not fun. And, um, you know, I've definitely had my share of losing. Um, you know, I would say I'm probably a little bit more sophisticated than the average player. Um, but you know, at the same time, I'm probably, I'm definitely a lifetime loser. So, um, you know, I haven't figured it out a hundred percent just yet. I do have my periods where I'm really, really good. And, you know, I get better as time goes by. I mean, uh, you know, I was talking about on a couple of the interviews, the, uh, college bowl season, for example, I had watched so much college football last year that when the college bowl season rolled around, I was able to go 32 and nine betting on the in-game bets. Um, just because, you know, it's hard for them to make a correct line on, on teams that rarely play each other. So I thought there was a lot of uh, edge there in, in the college bowl season, for example. But I mean, like baseball season this year, I haven't done real well. Last year I made money in baseball, but this year it's been really hard. The grind has been tough. And, um, you know, it's, it, it looks sports gambling is very difficult to beat. Let's, let's keep it real. Right. Mm-hmm. I think Tyler and I know all too well how difficult it can be uh, at times. What, so you said, uh, as you mentioned, kind of in-game betting is a little bit of your specialty. Is that is that a majority of the action you put on in-game, or do you have a model you mentioned in you certain, kind of started in finance? In, yeah, in certain sports, I like to bet in-game more. Like football and basketball, I like to bet more in-game than pre-game. Uh, I just feel like I have a better edge when I can watch a little bit of the game. 
Got it. How much time would you say you spend in the sports book on average per week? Oh, I mean, I'm watching the games every night, you know, and on the weekend. So a lot, a lot of hours. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, after I get done with my regular job, um, you know, which ends usually around, you know, 3.30 Pacific time, you know, I go to the sports book and watch all the games at night. And then, of course, on the weekend, you know, football, you can watch, uh, you can watch college football from 9 a.m in uh, west coast time all the way till you know 11 30 at night um you can watch a lot of football in mm-hmm. uh when you live on the west coast do, so what what is your day job out of curiosity and did your did your coworkers kind of know about your sports gambling uh off the field passion i'll call it beforehand or was it something oh, yeah. they're like oh todd yeah i mean a lot of them knew about it i i worked for a good friend of mine who uh we, we run a little company that helps uh, companies do merchant cash advances. We do like the, the software and banking for them. So um, right now we're kind of winding down our position. So I kind of hadn't had to work as, as much. So, um, you know, but it's all done on East Coast time. So when, um, when it's like, you know, 3.30 uh, Pacific time, it's, it's, you know, 6.30 Eastern time, it's pretty much over. You know, the, the, the day is over, you know what I mean? Yeah, that definitely gives you great flexibility for the sports betting life. After, you know, the action documentary aired, been on uh, VEASAN, some other airways, how has your life kind of changed uh, since the doc has aired? It hasn't really changed too much other than people come up to me and recognize me all the time and ask me for pictures and stuff like that. I've been on VEASAN's mention, um, you know, every week with uh, Gil Alexander's show. Uh, for the last, you know, probably three months, that's been a lot of fun. And uh, but other than that, uh, nothing's really, you know, changed too much. Except getting on, getting invites to prestigious podcasts like our own. I guess that that's also a big uh, step in the right direction. One thing that, yeah, ca- I mean, sorry, one thing that caught yeah, my eye during the uh, doc. So. Tyler texted me earlier being like, I can't believe this guy, Bill Krakenberger, doesn't even watch the games, couldn't name like 15 guys on in the NFL. Is that something that like drives you crazy as uh, someone trying to hack it in the business, get in, and then you see someone well, like has, that? Well, he has a whole team working with him. And I assure you there are people who he's working with that do watch all the games. So, uh, you know, he's kind of like the – the top the head of it but you know he he definitely um you know he definitely has people that that are good that that know what's going on you know and, i mean he even showed it on the uh on the doc you know he has warren sharp on there who you know works with him on the nfl so you know it, uh, it it's it was slightly misleading there you know a little bit it's not like he doesn't know what's going on his people know what's going on. He's, he's really more in charge of the, you know, getting that down. Yeah. It was crazy to watch the way they perceived in the doc, you know, they had the Patriots chargers playoff game going on and he's just getting his nails done, getting uh, pedicures yeah. and checks his score. He's like, Oh, that's good. We're winning. And he just goes back to his normal day. A lot of people, <laughs> what are you going to say? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was kind of funny. That, you know, Bill, Kelly, Vegas, Dave, did you know all these people before the I didn't, know, I didn't know any of them. Now I'm pretty good friends with Bill and Kelly. I still haven't met Vegas, Dave, but the other ones I, I have met, they're pretty cool people. 
it it is interesting uh to watch i think the first episode they really go into detail on vegas dave and then they start detailing more of like his personal life behind the scenes is he someone who just runs in a completely different orbit it feels like the way they produce the documentary he's saying he wins 75 percent of his games which essentially is impossible and then they go to three four different experts basically saying hey you win 55, 56%. You're, you're a stud. Um, curious to hear from you, your thoughts on the way they like produced the documentary and like what you thought going in versus how things actually ended up being cut. I mean, as far as Vegas Dave goes, look, anybody who tells you they win 75% of the time, it's just obviously mathematically not possible. I mean, unless you're betting like minus 300. I'm talking about if you're betting, you know, minus 110. To win 75%, you could maybe win 75 out of 100. You might even be able to win 150 out of 200. But there's no way in hell you're winning 750 out of 1,000 or 7,500 out of 10,000. It's just impossible, as I'm sure you guys know. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as how the dog was cut, you know, at least the way they cut it with me, they kind of, you know, wanted to show – you know, an average gambler, but I'm not really that average. So that was a little misleading, but, um, you know, other than that, I thought it was, it was cut. Okay. The, 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 the issue really would be, um, I don't think they went into the math enough of explaining why 75% is impossible, but, you know, I don't know that the, that the, the audience would have gotten it either way, unless it was really explained really well. Um, in the end, it was kind of funny because, you know, they got lucky that Vegas Dave lost a lot of his picks. So it didn't make him look too good, you know, in the end. But, you know, again, look, it's America. There's a sucker born every minute. If you have strong marketing skills, you could sell to uh, the Eskimos or whatever the saying might be. Yeah, it made great content, especially during the Super Bowl when he said if the Rams didn't cover, he was going to give his 2019 picks away for free. So I guess this upcoming season, you could get on those and win at 75% clip, like he had mentioned. You mentioned, you know, there's a sucker every day. What would you? What advice would you give someone who is considering going into the sports betting life as a profession? Well, I think you really have to understand the math and understand how hard it is to win. Um, you have to beat the other people to the number. And that's really what it's all about. I mean, if you think about like an example might might be like college basketball, for example, right? We know, you know, it's it's 52.38% to break even that's at minus 110, right? And if, uh, if you get a point better than the line, you're going to win it probably about 54%, you know, so you're going to be a winning better. Um, But, you know, you can't always do that because you don't always get the bet you know, better than, you know, one point better. But I'm sure that the the people that are winning, at least pregame, are people that are getting, you know, I'll give you an example. Xavier was playing uh, Texas in the um, NIT last year, and Xavier had been on a run, and I bet them the night before at plus five and a half, and the game went off at plus four. That's kind of a professional move in a sense that I got a point and a half better than the final line. Um, That's why I... If, if you can't do that, then that's why I like in-game betting because I feel you have the best chance of getting a line that's off on the in-game 
as opposed to the pregame. Because if you're betting five minutes before the college basketball game um, has been hammered into place or the NFL game that's been hammered into place, it's very difficult to win uh, because those lines are pretty solid. But if you have an in-game situation and you have three places that have different lines, somebody's line is wrong. So that's why I feel in-game is so much easier to bet, you know, easier to beat, uh, you know, in basketball and football. Does that kind of make sense? Definitely. Always trying to find that edge. Um, As you know, you know, the legislation for sports gambling has changed rapidly over the last year or so and it's becoming legal and state by state. Um, I'm in Illinois, just recently became legal, should be up and running by next year. Have you seen that change in Vegas? Have you seen any effect there or it's business as usual? No, I haven't seen a huge difference in Vegas um, so far. No, not really. Yeah, it it is going to be interesting to see how much as it continues to roll out. Like it's legal in New Jersey. I'm in New York. It's close by. Even I saw like the total handle numbers month over month. I think we're affected a little bit in Jersey as Pennsylvania became legal. I imagine in a place like Vegas, it'll be a steady stream of clients and they'll probably be okay. This is like a one-off question just out of curiosity. Have you bought any furniture for your living room yet? That was something they talked about in, in the documentary. No. I'm curious. Are you no, still, I, you're, you're still I just haven't bought any furniture for my living room because I don't really have people. I don't really have people over, and I didn't want to buy a whole bunch of furniture and then have to move it somewhere if I was going to move. So I just decided to forgo the furniture. Um, <laughs> so I still don't have the furniture. Uh, by the way, so one other thing, you know, about your last question about people want to get into this. You really have to, you know, money management skills is very important. And, you know, I still make money management mistakes all the time. Um, chasing, uh, two things, money management and chasing are, are two of the really things that will get you. So, for instance, if you have a, you know, $10,000 bankroll, you know, you don't want to be betting more than 1% a game, which is like $100 a game, really. Um, and that sounds like, you know, very small. And it is. Um, but if you're winning, you know, you can move it up. And then if you're losing, you're not going to lose as much. But you really need to keep your, your, your bet sizes small because losing streaks do happen. And that, that comes into my second point is you really got to teach yourself not to chase. And it's a really difficult thing to do because if you have a couple bad beats, you know, you could lose your mind and start betting stuff that you shouldn't bet or betting up bigger than you shouldn't bet. And those are really the biggest pratfalls. And it seems easy, for, you know, to not do that, but it's really much harder than you think. Definitely. I think it's easy, like you mentioned, have a bad beat and then you just kind of spiral out of control there. And you mentioned sizing bets, money management. You talked earlier about college football because, you know, there's so many teams. There's just not possibility to know all those teams so in depth. Would you say college football, bread and butter for betting? Or where, where do you really – I, like I like to bet everything. everything. I, I, I like to bet it all, college football, pro football. I don't really bet the NBA much except the, the playoffs. I did actually did very well in the NBA playoffs this year, but I don't usually like to bet it um, uh, other than the uh, playoffs. But, um, you know, baseball, I'll even do the hockey playoffs a little bit. So, you know, those basically college football, pro football, baseball, and the, the, the hockey and NBA playoffs. And I bet a lot of college basketball too. You touch it all, all across the board. Yeah, and that's 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 another thing. You, you 
that you don't want to do, um, which is something I make a mistake with too, is you spread yourself too thin. So for instance, like in college basketball, where you have eight bazillion teams and you think you're going to know them all, you just can't. And if you, you know, the smart thing to do is probably take three conferences and really learn those really well and just bet those. But sometimes I think I'm better than I am and I get myself in trouble because I'm trying to know too many conferences. Mm -hmm. Do you also love the Ivy League, the Friday night games when there's nothing else? (laughs) Or the the Quinnipiac (laughs) Rider games or whatever that conference is called, uh, Fairfield and Fairleigh Dickinson, whatever it is. What's crazy now, you can you can watch some of this stuff on the internet now, which is which is kind of interesting. Like uh, you know, some of those like Eastern Washington against Eastern Washington against Portland State, and you know, I think if you would watch those games religiously, you'd have an edge because most people aren't watching. Definitely, I've been caught watching Hawaii basketball games at 3 a.m. before, and it's oh, it's I watched amazing. a lot of Hawaii last year too. Hawaii <laughs> was actually a fun team to watch. I had them, uh, it was the year, it was two years ago, I guess, it was the year after they had made the NCAA tournament, and a lot of those guys from that team ended up leaving. I think they got in trouble with the NCAA, but just college basketball, especially, like Cody mentioned, Ivy League Friday nights, you just find yourself watching these random games, and it gets into what you had mentioned with chasing, like, you have a couple bad beats, maybe with an ACC game, or, you know, those bigger teams, and then you see these random games coming up, and you just, like, close your eyes and pick a team, and you're forced to be watching Princeton versus Fairleigh Dickinson on a Friday night. Yeah, and you don't know what you're doing. It's a big problem. It's <laughs> yeah. a big problem. I, I've definitely been uh, guilty of that. Todd, I have a question for you. Do you think the Sunday night football game, is there any one single game that is more worthy, like more prone to chasing by the casual gambler than Sunday night football, where you're like looking at your your bank account you're figuring out how much you're down. You're trying to make it work. You're like, oh, the Packers, Aaron Rodgers, like how could this go wrong? I, I feel like that's got to be the most popular chase game out there. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. I don't – that's not usually how I chase, but that's probably how the typical guy chases. Yes. Yeah. That's, yeah. You're, ta- you're talking to two typical guys, so I think that's, that, <laughs> yeah. that's where you're at. What's the weirdest sport you found yourself betting on before? Most like obscure. Um, I don't know if I've really bet too many obscure sports. Oh, maybe WNBA. Do you count that as obscure? Yeah, that's obscure. It's pretty obscure. Yeah. yeah. Well, WNBA sometimes because it's during baseball season, there isn't anything except for baseball. So sometimes I bet the WNBA, uh, and then get my ass handed to me. So that's uh, you know, again though, if you really I really believe that if you really are into something heavily and you really know it well, you could pretty much beat anything, but you've got to really put the time in. And it's hard to do that if you're trying to, you know, track everything. Did you find yourself betting on the AAF at all? Because that was a little bit during a little bit of a dry spell. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get into that. I thankfully, thankfully, I did not get into the AAF. Yeah, that that out uh, quickly. I mean, I feel like the WNBA, not a lot of people are betting it. So, like you said, if you put in the time, look at the numbers, you probably could find a pretty good advantage and make some good money on it. We will now take a quick break from our interview with Todd to have a word from our sponsors over at MyBookie. It's a brand new football season. Andrew Luck has retired. So where are you putting your money down? One thing hasn't changed for us, and it's where we're putting our money on all the games. MyBookie is the 
place to bet on football every weekend. Our Blue Wire podcasters are using mybookie.com forward slash Blue Wire to sign up this year. MyBookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000 and only cat costs a hundred dollars tenner not bad all you got to do is pick five nfl games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of the huge cash prize pool my bookie has live in-game betting on every nfl game they've got the most rewarding player perks in the business and for you fantasy guys out there you can even bet the over under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game visit my bookie online today that's m-y-b-o-o-k-i-e and don't forget to use a promo code BLUEWIRE and one creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet, win, get paid. And now back to our interview with Todd. I wanted to ask you about this story you had told on an interview you had on the Vegas Sports and Info Network, um, the, Yom, <laughs> the Yom Kippur Massacre, as you called it. Can you give our listeners a little rundown of that? Because I think that's one of the all-time bad beats and the way you tell the story. Yeah, well, it's really more, it's more than a bad beat story. It's a bad beat story with a, the world is crazy and surprising probably not. End twist. What'd you say? Just a surprising end twist to the whole story. Yeah, it, it basically really makes me question the nature of reality. Um, but um, the, uh, the story pretty much goes, uh, this was back in 2014, and uh, I, well, I, I don't know if it was mentioned on the uh, action thing, but I was raised Orthodox Jewish, and I went to rabbinical seminary for a couple of years after high school in Israel, and so I was very heavily Orthodox Jewish. And um, but then, you know, I'm no longer that way, and um, so now on Yom Kippur, which is like the holiest day for the Jews, um, where everyone fasts, even even secular Jews, most of them will fast that day and they'll go to temple. I don't do any of it because I don't believe in that anymore. So it was a uh, Saturday in October in 2014, and I had made a large bet because it was uh, a Saturday college football. I didn't really care that it was Yom Kippur. And I had bet that the, uh, the under in the USC Arizona State second half was uh, under 34 and a half. And I was at my friend's house who was fasting. Uh, he wasn't at temple because he's sort of like a Fugazi Jew. But um, <laughs> he... We were uh, fasting and we're watching the game, and uh, I was so far ahead. I think they'd only scored 13 points with a couple minutes to go in the game. And the you know Yom Kippur runs from this particular year ran from Friday night to Saturday night, and so at at nightfall the, the fast was over, and I was so far ahead in the game that I didn't even worry about watching the game. I said I'll go, you know, buy you a sandwich because I know you're hungry. You didn't eat all day. I'll go around the corner and get you a sandwich. By the time I'm back, I'll want my bet. And I had made a pretty big bet for the amount of money I had at the time. So I really needed to win this bet. Um, and I thought it was in the bag. We both thought it was in the bag. So I went around the corner. I got the sandwiches. I came back. And, uh, of course, I'm still winning big. And uh, I think the USC scored a touchdown. And then there was an onside to kick. And then Arizona State got a touchdown. Boy, I, I can't remember exactly, but there was basically – three touchdowns in like two seconds. It was ridiculous. Um, but still, even with all the crazy scoring, I was still ahead by a half a point with five seconds left in the game. And Arizona State was down 34-32 and had the ball like their 
the USC 46-yard line. So they're basically going to throw one last play, the Hail Mary, and I thought, okay, well, they'll just knock it down and I'll, you know, I'll win the bet. It'll be fine. So, of course, uh, Berkovici, who's the quarterback for Arizona State, goes back to pass. Uh, he throws it up in the air. Jalen Strong jumps up in the air at the two-yard line, grabs it in front of a massive humanity, goes into the end zone. You could actually see this play on YouTube. If you ever wanted to watch the play itself, you can go on YouTube and put in Arizona State USC 2014. You'll see the play. It's a crazy play. Yeah, the guy scored that. a touchdown. The entire Coliseum, because the game was played at USC, is totally dead quiet because they've now <laughs> lost the game. I'm in shock because I lost a bet that it was impossible to lose. My friend is in shock. He can't believe it either. We're, I mean, at one point, he just started laughing hysterically because it was so ridiculous <laughs> that we couldn't even, like, it's, like, unbelievable, right? Yeah. So, anyways, that was just a bad beat story. And, you know, we all have crazy bad beat stories. But what makes this bad beat story different than all the rest was it has more to the story. And the more to the story is a couple, you know, a couple of days later, we were calling it the Yom Kippur Massacre. Um, you know, because of what happened to me Great name. on the Young Super play. And um, a couple of days later, about a week later, my, my friend, w- w- we used to hang out at this coffee shop um, in Beverly Hills. And he goes, he sends me a, an email with a profile of this college football player. And this guy is not a sports fan. Um, so, and he never sent me a college football player before. So I, was, I said to him, well, why are you sending me a college football player? He goes, oh, well, I just met this guy's grandfather, and he's here at the coffee shop. And, I, you know, you know all about college football. I thought maybe you know who his grandson is. I said, do you know who that is? He goes, no. I said, that's Mike Berkovici, the quarterback who threw the Yom Kippur Massacre pass. <laughs> so we were both kind of shocked. He goes, well, you got to come over here and meet the grandfather. So I run over there. And this guy is the old Romanian guy with talks with an accent. Uh, and he, and he's, you know, we're talking and I'm like, yeah, your grandson made a great play and cost me a lot of money. And, uh, you know, I said, oh, were you at the game? Cause the, the grandfather obviously lives in Los Angeles and the game was at USC. And he goes, and he goes, uh, we're talking about the game. And he's like, you mean the Holy Moly? I said, no, no, you know, not the Hail Mary though. He calls it the Holy Moly. So, it was hysterical. He he couldn't even get the English right on the uh, on what it was called. It's called a Hail Mary, not a Holy Moly. But he, that's what he called it, the Holy Moly. I said, yeah, the Holy Moly. So I said, why weren't you at the game? He goes, oh, it was Yom Kippur. I said, Yom Kippur, you're, are you Jewish? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'm Jewish. I was, I was your temple because it was Yom Kippur. And so I didn't go to the game. And so, you know, I, you know, we were talking about the whole lineage of his kids and then his grandkids turns out Mike Berkovici is Jewish so what's even crazier about this whole thing is first of all it's a bad beat okay fine now we meet the guy's grandfather a week later at the coffee shop of all the college football players grandfather we've ever met which are 0.0 we meet this guy one week later but on top of that the guy is Jewish and his grandson is Jewish now I don't know if you guys know anything about Jews, but there's a lot of Jewish accountants. There's not a lot of Jewish quarterbacks. Okay. <laughs> so the fact that the, the, the guy who threw the Yom Kippur massacre pass was Jewish is just beyond belief. Yeah. So 
you know, oh at God. that point, I was just ready, ready for them to pull the curtain back and, and you know, tell me this is just some kind of like, you know, react, this is some kind of, you know, practical pulled. joke because this, this can't possibly be happening. It, it, like you said, that really questions reality. It sounds like an episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm. Uh, Cody and I are both Jewish, so we do understand, you know, not a lot of professional athletes are Jewish, but that's that's such an insane story, meeting his grandpa. It's just so crazy. First of all, it would have been crazy even if the guy wasn't Jewish, because my friend, had nev- we, we never met anybody's grandfather the week after that play. It's just too much of a coincidence right off the bat. And then the fact that he was Jewish was like the cherry on top. It was like even crazier. So yeah. to me, it's like, I'm like, come on, this, there are coincidences and then there are crazy coincidences. But this is like beyond that, I feel. That's an incredible story. Do you think any of you had any bad juju going your way because you weren't fasting and you were betting and this was almost like Mike Berkovich was teaching you a lesson? Yeah, there's there's a lot of ways to look at it. You could look at it that way. Um, I don't. I happen to not look at it. But maybe that's just because I'm stupid. Um, Maybe I should have... you know, learn my lesson then. But, you know, I, I don't really look at it like that. To me, I look at it more like uh, when something this insane happens, it makes me realize that, you know, the quantum physics stuff is really a lot more true than you realize. I don't know if you guys have ever looked into quantum physics or what, you know, quantum mechanics is all about, but it really makes you question the nature of reality if you understand kind of uh, what's going on there. You know, there's really nothing in an atom and there's nothing in a nucleus and there's nothing in an electron. And, you know, they just use words like energy and stuff like that, but it doesn't really mean anything. Uh, but when stuff like that happens, I really start to wonder, you know, if this is some crazy creation of our consciousness rather than what we really think is really true reality. Yeah. We can, we can really go down a rabbit hole there. I think Tyler and I didn't do that great in high school science classes. So we'll, we'll try and, <laughs> we'll try and stick to uh, sports and sports gambling here. So Todd, we know, no we know you're a Steelers fan. So want to get your thoughts on this upcoming season, obviously some turnover, you guys lose Le'Veon who, never really had last year Antonio Brown is out of the picture now he's with the Raiders uh so your guys win total coming into this year is nine how how are you feeling about that number you like the over or do you also Brown you know I don't I don't love it either way um I think the Steelers I mean a lot of people are picking the Steelers to be you know a surprise up team uh you know today I was on the uh Gil Alexander show on Beeson with uh, Mike Lombardi, and he was talking about how the Steelers are probably going to be uh, better this year. And uh, I don't know. I just don't – I don't really feel it. I, I don't like our coach really. I mean, I think he's a good coach. I don't think he's a great coach. And um, I don't know. Ben's getting older and older and older, and sooner or later, you know, he's not going to be great forever. So, um, like I said, I don't, I don't want to take the under. I don't want to take the over on that, but I'd be very cautious either way. Um, as far as the Browns go, I think there's too much hype. I honestly do. I really think there's too much hype. Whenever I, I notice whenever there's a lot of hype for a team, and especially a team that doesn't have a coach that's, that's proven, because I don't think Freddie Kitchens is proven. Um, 
I think there could be trouble there. So we'll see. I don't really do a lot of futures in the NFL because there's so much, you know, uh, turnover in teams and there's so much, you know, difference in year to year. I like to watch the games a little bit to get a vibe and then just bet individual games rather than, uh, you know, the futures. Yeah, I agree with the Steelers take. I mean, Mike Tomlin, you know, he's, he's in that range of coaches where he's, you know, in the upper echelon, but you feel like you could improve. But if you get rid of him, it's kind of hard. I think they will be benefited by just getting all the drama out of the locker room with Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. I think that really did hang a cloud over them. But I agree, Roethlisberger's getting older. You don't know when his fall will come in the Browns. I mean, Freddie Kitchens was saying yesterday in a press conference, any coach years who's leaking out information to the media is going to be fired. So I agree with you. There seems like there's a lot of hype around the team and Freddie Kitchens has never been a head coach at any level. So we'll see how he manages all those personalities. I do think the Browns are going to be good, but it could also combust. It reminds me a little bit of the Eagles in 2011 when they brought all those guys in and everyone thought they were going to go to the Super Bowl easily and it kind of fell apart quickly for that group. Yeah, and the good news is the Steelers still have the Jew, the double Jew, my favorite Jew, Juju Smith-Schuster. <laughs> yeah, he's a stud. And, I mean, they lost. They won nine games last year and they lost, you know, three, they had a stretch of three losses in a row where they lost at Denver going in for the tie on the goal line. They blew the Sunday night game versus the Chargers. They, they blew an awful game to the Raiders. So I, I do see some of, somewhat of a bounce back for the Steelers, but it also feels like when everyone is saying you're a sleeper, you're, you're not really a sleeper at that point. No. Yeah, and the other thing is, how do you lose those games? I'm sure you guys watch those games. First of all, there was no excuse whatsoever to lose to Denver in that game. That was absolutely ridiculous. Um, the other games you mentioned were the Raiders game. I mean, I, there's nothing needs to even be said. That's that's literally coaching malpractice. What was the third game? You oh the Chargers. The Chargers. The Chargers that was a crazy game. Think, yeah, the Charger game. I think they got they got jobbed a little bit on that one because if you remember correctly, it was twenty three seven coming into the second half and the Steelers got the ball first and they, they gave it to Connor and he, he ran like 50 yards to the San Diego 20 on a long run. And they called it back on a total phantom holding call. I don't know if you guys remember this, but there was a phantom holding call. They showed the replay out. There was no holding call. And if the Steelers score there, there's no way they lose that game. So that was a little bit of a, a bogus loss. The, the one to San Diego, but, um, I actually won that one. I remember that, having the over in that one. But, um, uh, yeah, I, I just think there's too many Tomlin losses to, that we should never lose, you know. And I looked at the schedule this year, and it doesn't seem that easy. Yeah, I think Tomlin, it, it's kind of amazing that you guys had all that talent on the offensive side of the ball. And obviously you had the crushing loss to the – Pats a couple years back but the fact that that never turned into a, a Super Bowl run with the nucleus of Big Ben Le'Veon and Antonio Brown like to me that's a failure and I know Tyler and I last year we spoke about it a bunch on the pod but Tomlin just like is a bone like he comes up short in the big game when you need him exactly I couldn't agree with you more and there's no way we'll ever beat New England so no no, no. and one more question I wanted to ask, uh, Todd, before we let you go. Something you mentioned in the documentary, you know, as we're talking about the Steelers, you grew up in Pittsburgh, you're a Steelers fan, but you said 
if you're betting against them in a game, you're rooting for the other team. So is that in every game you say you were to take the spread against the Steelers, regardless if it's a playoff game? What's your mindset with that? Oh, I'll I'll bet against the Steelers if I think if I think I can win. I don't, I, you know, I root like you saw in the documentary. I root for the green first, black and gold second. So that <laughs> if, if you notice that that was the week they played the Bengals in Cincinnati last year, and I had Cincinnati. And if you remember what happened, Cincinnati, like an idiot, scored too fast with a minute to go, and the Steelers came back and won. But yeah, I'll, I'll definitely bet against the Steelers. I even won one of my biggest bets ever was the AFC Championship game in 2001, the year the Patriots played the Steelers. And the Steelers opened a seven-and-a-half-point favorite and closed ten-point favorites in that AFC Championship game with Cordell Stewart. And it was a Tom Brady's first year. If you remember, Tom Brady got knocked out in the middle of the game, and Drew Bledsoe came in and took New England for the, uh, for the winner. And I had, to, I had actually New England plus ten in that game. Now I didn't take them on the money line, but I did have new England plus 10. Cause I was like, there's no way in hell Cordell Stewart is going to lead us to a, a double digit win in a, in an AFC championship game. And I was pretty much right on that one. Yeah. I, if we had a odds on you saying Cordell Stewart at some point during this podcast, that would be a long shot winner. Um, but I'm happy we could, <laughs> I'm, happy, I'm happy we could throw it back a little bit there. Um, but Todd, thanks so much for coming on. How, how old are you guys? How, how old are you guys? Uh, I'm 27 and Tyler's 24. So we know Cordell Stewart, but we're not, he's not like uh, one of our go-to guys, I'd say. Right. Cordell Stewart's a little bit before your time, but Cordell Stewart was, uh, if you remember him, he was a great runner. He wasn't much of a passer. And uh, I just knew that was going to be trouble. <laughs> yeah. 10, 10's a lot. With you you could have, like I guess, I guess you could a middle there if the Patriots had covered and the Steelers still have won but that is true dedication to the line you said green green before uh the black and gold and you know the AFC championship game that's true to your words yeah oh yeah absolutely I I, I don't say and you know I had all my friends who were like pissed off at me and everything I was like <laughs> look I'm betting first in the Steelers second I, I I think I took the Baltimore against the Steelers in a playoff game a couple years ago and won also um so, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, but I'm always looking at the who I think is going to cover before before the team. I know a lot of people don't like to bet on or against their own team, but I don't really have too much of a problem with it. Yeah, I was going to say, Todd, it, Tyler and I are both 49ers fans, um, and if you were a, a, if you were also a 49ers fan and were watching the game together and say you bet on the Rams in a game they played against them, I don't, I'm not sure we could watch the game together. Right. Well, a lot of people get touchy, you know, about their stuff. But, you know, to me, I like in the book, I have no problem with anybody cheering as long as they're, you know, have a bet on their team or it's their team they want to win. By the way, Jimmy G, I think Jimmy G is going to be great. Jimmy yes. G to Kittle. 11, 11 and 5 this year. Heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like them a lot. I like San Francisco. What's their over under? It's eight. I've, I've already put in yeah. a bet on the over. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the 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 um the division is hard because it's Seattle, the Rams, you say? Cardinals. Oh, Cardinals, right. Yeah. So they'll they'll beat the Cardinals twice and let's say they could maybe win one or two more in the division. That would give them four and then what what's their which which AFC con, uh division do they play against this year? 
they play the uh, AFC North and then the NFC South. Um, I mean, they played the Steelers week three, actually, in San Francisco. So we'll have to talk then what you're thinking on the line. Hopefully, you know, you're, you're leaning the 49ers. Yeah, that'll, and come that'll and be an interesting game. That, that actually, week three, that may end up being – uh, the weekend of Yom Kippur. <laughs> <laughs> is, Yom, is Yom Kippur on a weekend this year? I, I don't know. I don't know. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to research that and get your Yom Kippur massacre play of the day <laughs> and tweet that thing out because I think we all we all need a little action. <laughs> you, you, you should just fade it. Whatever I like, fade it. No, we it's, will. Uh, I think we have to. It's, un- it's unfortunately on a Tuesday, so it won't be NFL. But I guess MLB. it's October eighth. So we'll get some MLB playoff action. So yeah. everyone just make sure to fade Todd on Tuesday. Like if, I, you know, is it, if it's on a Tuesday, that means it starts Monday night. So there'll probably be Monday night football. Uh, start, starts, sorry, starts Tuesday night into Wednesday. Oh, so, oh okay. Yeah. So there won't be any baseball. football. Yeah. We could even call it the Mike, yeah. Mike Bercovici play of the day, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, Todd. Thanks again. We really appreciate you coming on. Where can our listeners uh, follow you on Twitter? Because you're a good follow. Tweeting out a lot of plays, um, some stuff about your diet. Definitely an entertaining uh, Twitter follow. So where can they find you? Yeah, my, my Twitter is at T Wishnev. So that's uh, at T and then the word wish. And then the first three letters of the word never. So at T Wishnev, uh, W-I-S-H-N-E-V. And uh, I have a lot of my plays I put up on there and then I put my, you know, I'm trying to, to, um, you know, get my blood sugar down because I'm diabetic and I've been putting up my food every day. So people have been having a good time tracking that. And, uh, sometimes some funny videos, uh, you know, I'll put up every once in a while. So if you want to uh, follow me, you can follow me at T wish. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks for coming on Todd. We really appreciate it. Not a problem.